Over the past year, the U.S. Department of the Interior has changed the names of hundreds of rivers, mountains, parks, and other geographic sites on federal land because they used racist terms. That push has now reached the Golden State. A new law will remove the word squaw from nearly 100 landmarks and place names across California. That word means woman in some Native American languages, but over the centuries, others turned it into a slur aimed at indigenous women. And today, some say it's as offensive, as misogynistic, as any other anti-woman insult you could imagine. So Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill last month that's going to strip the term from the names of towns, parks, lakes, and other places across California. Native Americans and others are celebrating the new law, but these are names that, in some places, date back generations. So in a place like, say, Squaw Valley, not everyone's happy. You're trying to change history. Squaw is a California Indian word. Squaw? I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, essential news from the LA Times. It's Monday, October 24th, 2022. Today, why the fight to remove the word squaw from public spaces is still raging on despite the new laws. Lila Seidman is a reporter for the Los Angeles Times who has covered this controversy. Lila, welcome to The Times. Thanks so much for having me. So where is Squaw Valley and what's it like? So in people's minds, when you say Squaw Valley, they often immediately think of Squaw Valley Ski Resort, which is no longer called Squaw Valley. The owners of that famous ski resort, which hosted the Olympics in the 60s, changed its name proactively last year because the owners, you know, they researched the history of the name and they decided it was offensive and changed it. There's another Squaw Valley, which is a bit south of that ski resort. And it's a small, unincorporated community of, I believe, like 3,600 people. And it's tucked below the mountains of King Canyon National Park. And it's about 30 minutes from Fresno. So that word has long been used in United States popular culture. I remember hearing it even in Warner Brothers cartoons. So I think a lot of people are surprised to learn that many people think it's offensive. What's the word's actual history? So like many things, there is a significant debate about the origin of this word. Many scholars believe that it came from the Algonquian language, which was spoken by many different tribes and originally essentially meant woman. So it was not offensive in that context. But when white settlers came, they sort of turned it into something darker. Suzanne Shoharjo, president of the Morning Star Institute and a leading Native American rights advocate, told me Squaw was actually popularized by French and British trappers who took indigenous women as slave laborers as early as the 1600s. And when they used this word, it was offensive. They were basically calling them women's private parts, and it wasn't a nice thing. Okay, so if it's offensive, then why are people in Squaw Valley pushing back against changing the name of it? So it is largely considered offensive. And in fact, in November, the U.S. Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland, who is Native American, said this is an offensive term. 
particularly against Native American women. But there is, in particular, one Fresno County supervisor who has been very vocal about this term not being offensive to him and some other people in the community in this particular context. My name is Nathan Magsig, and I'm a supervisor here in Fresno County, representing the 5th District. And he has argued that there should not be a blanket prohibition on the term, this term or other terms. His argument is that context matters, and in the context of the town's history, he does not find this word squaw to be offensive. So in Fresno County, there are many who believe that the way that Squaw Valley got its name was there is an impression in a rock of a woman's foot. And when early settlers came here, they also recognized and saw that there were many women that were in this particular valley. And so as a way to pay homage to those women, it was deemed as Squaw Valley. So their argument is that this is part of our history and we have pride for our community and we associate our community with this name. And what about the people who do want the name of the town to be changed? So according to Roman Raintree, the Native American activist who has really been spearheading the name change, he does not use the word squaw. He considers it the equivalent of the C word. So it's a, a deeply offensive and sexist term. When you find another Native gathering where the public is open, attend it and then go find your nearest elderly woman and call them that. See what happens. I'd be willing to bet it won't be received well. And you might be having a gathering of people coming to her defense. He brought this to the attention of the supervisor, Supervisor Magsig, in the summer of 2020. Ever since then, the two have had a contentious relationship. And Roman Raintree essentially told me that he was given the cold shoulder. And that's when he began to really label me as an outsider. He doesn't live in this community. He lives in Fresno. He was dismissive of my ancestral roots. He's dismissive that I have to go back. For a long time, Raintree had pushed Magsig to hold a community meeting, and Magsig, in turn, had wanted Raintree to hold a community meeting. Um, the supervisor kept telling the community was upon me to host the meeting in uh, S Valley, and I said, "You know what? I'm not a supervisor. I don't have the resources, and besides, it's your district. Uh, you work for them. I don't work for them, and you should do it." So you could imagine this was an impasse that lasted for quite some time. Raintree ended up holding a Zoom meeting. Okay, well, welcome. Thank you for everybody attending. It's an honor to have you here. And that attracted mostly supporters. And this speaks to uh, the main opponent of the rename campaign, Nathan Magsig, who has argued that time and time again. And again, it speaks to the issue of this just being a slur, derogatory and racist, period. Just the other month, Magsig finally did hold a community meeting. And keep in mind, this was after the Secretary of the Interior had deemed this term offensive and ordered it removed from federal land. And a state law was about to be signed by Governor Gavin Newsom, which would remove it from California land. And this meeting drew hundreds of people 
And most of the attendees opposed the name change. Yeah, I'm a white chick. Straight up. But I have four or five different tribes in me. I'm, I'm the albino of the bunch. Okay, that being said, why are you turning your back on your heritage? What's the deal with squaw? You know, when Raintree tried to speak, there were a lot of people heckling him. Can you explain me how I'm turning my back on my heritage? It's a derogatory word. It's one that I've always had a negative. Memories connected to the land are not memories connected to that word. And some other people mentioned, you know, we have to make this change. So this debate is moot. Those people were shouted down. We're not going to be able to keep the name. That's just the truth. And Mr. Magzik, I think you should be honest about that. The bill was passed unanimously by the state legislature. Jim Patterson voted for it. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, hold, hold on. So I, I begin. More after the break. So, Lila, the activist pushing for the name change in Squaw Valley, Roman Raintree, what's his story? Raintree was born and raised in Fresno. And as I mentioned, Fresno is about 30 minutes from the small community of Squaw Valley. His grandparents lived there, and as a child, he visited them. And he told me his mother, when she was pregnant with him, ate sour berries from the valley and acorns. So she told him, this valley is in your DNA, even though you weren't born right here. So he feels very close to that land. Roman is a member of the Dunlap Band of Mono Indians. And his mother, when she was dying from cancer in 2013, they had a conversation. And he asked her, Mom, do you think that our tribe will ever get federal recognition while this slur against Indigenous women is on our ancestral homeland? That is to say... Will they even see us as a tribal people while they still see us as a pejorative? My mother thought, no, uh, they still see us as the S-word. So if we can get you to no longer see us as a pejorative and see us as a human being, then maybe we're one step closer to you acknowledging us as a tribal people. This was in 2013. So it would take about seven years for him to bring this issue forward. It kind of makes sense because there was a lot of cultural conversation in those intervening years about name changing. And so when he decided to breach this issue with the supervisors, it was very timely. So did Roman's activism end up helping to get this new law passed in California? Oh, absolutely. State leaders who sponsored this bill, it was co-introduced. And one of them is a man named James C. Ramos. And he told me that uh, he was inspired by this debate. He is the first, and I believe to this day is still the only Indigenous leader in the state legislature. And he told me growing up on a reservation that he had heard terms like squaw and other offensive uh, words that were used against the Indigenous community. 
And his opinion was, you know, it's 2022. There's broad agreement that this term is offensive. It's now been stated from the highest order in federal land. And that inspired him to bring this forward and remove it from California. How many places are we talking about and how is it actually going to work, like actually renaming the places? Yeah. So this bill was just signed. And by January 2025, this word will need to be removed from California place names. It's about 100. It will give local leaders about six months to come up with a new name. And ideally, that would involve input from the community and also local Indigenous voices. So how does Fresno Supervisor Nathan Maskig then feel about this bill? Now that it's law, is he working with Roman and others to try to come up with a new name for Squaw Valley? He's actually said that if there is desire in the community to fight it, he is going to fight it. So he hasn't sat down and said, I accept this. Let's let's work together and come up with a new name. I think he's still trying to figure out if he has enough support to push back. And he sent 1,400 mailers out to local households to ask if they want a name change. And he told my colleague that the local community was left out of the process. So right now I'm in the process of trying to really do what the state and federal government should have done to begin with, which is meet with the local communities that are going to be impacted the most by this. And I'm going to take what residents share with me back to the governor's office, as well as to Deb Holland's office, too. Yeah, actually, one of our producers reached out to Supervisor Magsig's office to see if they had the results from those mailers yet. And a spokesman said that 87 percent of Squaw Valley residents that responded didn't want the name changed. The name change has to happen. It's now state law, but the people who live there don't want it changed. So with that in mind, how does Roman feel about all this? Well, of course, he supports the name change. He's reiterated his feelings that this is an offensive term. And right now, the law is on his side. The goal was to rename it. It's no longer that word. And so we see that as a victory in and of itself. And we celebrate it with the governor's signature because that was the whole goal all along. Rename it. Anything is better than the C word. You have to agree with that. More after the break. Lila, like I mentioned earlier, what's happening in California with the name change is already federal law and federal lands. And you also seen this movement in sports for decades. Just this year, the Cleveland Indians changed their name to the Guardians. But Stanford sports teams dropped the Indian nickname all the way back in 1972. So why do you think you're seeing such a mass movement right now to ban these offensive names? I think that there has been a reignited conversation around place names. We saw this in 2020 after the murder of George Floyd. Of course, as you mentioned, this really isn't anything new per se. Um, There was conversation around the name change of Denali, the tallest mountain in North America. Obama changed the name from McKinley 
And this became a talking point where I believe Trump said that he was going to change it back. So we've seen this conversation before, but I think that uh, there was increased attention to racial reckoning and sensitivity to Indigenous and other cultures in the last few years. And for many people, they don't see this as just a word and hurt feelings. Um, I spoke to several different Indigenous women who told me that this perpetuates violence. In fact, I spoke to Teddy Simon, a racial and economic justice advocate for the ACLU, who told me this perpetuates and allows for violence today. Simon and others pointed out that California has alarmingly high rates of missing and murdered Indigenous women. And we see that trend actually across the country and elsewhere, including Canada. If your home evokes an image of you as disposable or the object of someone's lust, or as an identity that is to be erased, how people see themselves and how other people see them really matters. And so when we devalue people, impose these stereotypes, talk about entire peoples in the past tense, all of that really matters. This isn't just something that is in history books. It's still being used to demean women today and people say potentially justify violence. Raintree has said that for him, this is not just something for himself. This is a fight he has taken on to help Native women feel safe and cared for. He has a daughter, Lola, and there's a great photo of her holding a sign that says, I'm not a squaw, in front of the Squaw Valley welcome sign. So he sees this as a fight for his family and future generations. We're just trying to enhance what's already here and we propose Yokuts Valley. Yokuts means the people. That's what it should be, it's the people's valley. I think this is a step forward because if you don't see us as a pejorative, you're more inclined to treat us with the respect that we deserve as a human being. And I, I really think that's the impact that my daughter's gonna see growing up. Lila, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks so much for having me. And that's it for this episode of The Times, Essential News from the LA Times. Kinsey Morgan and Ashley Brown were the jefas on this episode and Mark Nieto mixed and mastered it. Our show's produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasali, and David Toledo and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistant is Madeline Amato. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmina Aguilera, Shani Hilton, and Hiba El Orbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Eatman. And hey, we're building a Dia de los Muertos audio altar this year, and we need your help. Call 619-800-0717, 619-800-0717, and leave us a voicemail with your own ofrendas. Tell us who you are, where you live, and then give us a good anecdote about your lost loved one. Think of it as a communal digital altar. We'll air your stories in an episode closer to Day of the Dead. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back Wednesday with all the news in this month. Gracias.